Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, joining me on the Godcast this week is Brent Peters. Now, Brent is a legend of uh, non-league football with over 25 years managing uh, Baker Borough, uh, not far away from me in Burnley. And and uh, most people in local football will will know of Brent Peters. So it's, it's absolutely brilliant to get Brent on the Godcast. How are you doing, Brent? I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm good, Alex. Thank you. Now, uh, now, just before we get down to you, not many people or some people will know that I used to be a footy ref. I used to uh, ref uh, non-league, and I've got this here, Brent. I've dug it out from me. Uh, this is uh, my uh, award from the 1994 uh, Stanley Cup final, uh, which I'm sure you'll be familiar with over the years. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. I, I was a Class 2 referee. And the final was meant to be on the turf more and ended up being at Rosendale United, which I know you you had a lot of connections with over the years, didn't you? I did, yeah. It's sad it's it's no longer with us, but yeah, I've had some great memories at Rosendale United. Uh I was brought up uh on the Steggles estate just across the road um from a young boy. Uh, and as we were growing up, I was uh, uh, my father. My late father was the director of uh, Rosendale United and um, I've become a ball boy at Rosendale United. So I've had, uh, you know, really good connections. And from a ball boy, I went on to become the reserve team manager. And from the reserve team manager in 1993, 94 season, I was appointed as uh, first team manager. So to manage my hometown club and, uh, and be successful in it along the way as well, I was successful while I was there. You know, it was uh, it was a great honour and and a great achievement for me. Yeah, let let's just go back a bit, Brent. What were what was your your own football ac- uh, skills uh, like? Were you were you a successful footballer? Just tell us a bit about your your career as a footballer. Well, at school, I was I was a footballer at school. I was in, I was in the school team. I always got picked in the school team, and I was always picked in the house team. I started off as a as a right winger, and then uh, as I got slightly older, I went uh, and further back and become a right fullback. Um, but my career kind of started early and finished early, if you will. Um, I was on trial, currently on trial at uh, Blackburn Rovers when Ken Furphy, the late Ken Furphy, was the uh, was the manager at Blackburn Rovers, and I was on trial. Uh, there and I had quite a few games for Blackburn Rovers when um, I suffered a bad injury where I, uh, I fractured my femur uh, and did my ACL at the same time which, you know, now you're coming, but they're coming back from ACL injuries, you know, but um, back in the day that wasn't the case and it was when I was coming back from that and recovering that um, uh, Frank Casper uh, the former uh, Burnley player and Burnley manager uh, got me into coaching. So I took uh, coaching and the rest is history. You know, I took the path of really, I always say that coaching and managing is, is, a, is a totally different, two different jobs. Um, but I took the path, of, I did, did my coaching qualifications and then um, uh, and took the path of managing. So with, with that, with Frank Gasper, Brent, was that at Burnley or was that down at Bury? Because I know he was down there for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, that was it was at Bury. It was when uh, Martin Dobson was appointed the manager of, of, of Bury uh, and he appointed Frank Casper as his uh, first team coach, assistant manager. 
and it was basically when they was at Bury. I, I had connections with them because I was close to Paul Fletcher. In fact, I represented Paul Fletcher, uh, another you know ex former Burnley stalwart, and I represented Paul Fletcher on his testimonial committee. So it was kind of was that connection, if you will, you know, with Paul that, that I got to know the likes of uh, Frank Casper and Martin Dobson, Brian Flynn, um, Stanton Ent, um, you know, and the likes. So um, Jim Thompson, yeah, all legends of the of of Lancashire football, Brent. And and were there um, were there coaching badges in place in those days, or was it kind of, you know, just talk talk to us a bit. Yeah, the coaching badges were in place, uh, but now where it's like the UEFA A and the UEFA B, and, and and obviously in the professional game you've got your professional license, and you know there's there's varying other licenses. But back in the day, it was like um, it was it was kind of your full license and your prelim license, you know. So that's and then from that you you, you took your. Uh, after that, when the UEFA, with the UEFA B and the UEFA, you had to do a conversion course, you know. So from the old, you know, full license uh, and the prelim license, you did your conversion course from whichever license you're at to go into the UEFA A license or UEFA B license. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's kind of what happened. Yeah. And if somebody had said to you back then, Brent, that you know, in in twenty twenty three, you'll have done over twenty five years managing at Baker Borough. What what would a, a younger Brent Peters made of that? Well, in September, Alex, I'm uh, uh, it'll be twenty six year in 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 September. So I'd have never thought it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a football person, uh, you know, and, and I'm passionate. Even though my allegiances were always at. Uh, uh, at Rosendale United, it was a valid, you know, being, being brought up on the Steggles estate, you know, and Bakeup and, and Rosendale were, were, were strong rivalry back, you know, back in the day. So my allegiances were always at Rosendale, but but being a football man, uh, as I am, you know, you know, it's one of them. When I was approached to come to Bakeup, um, you know, it didn't phase me in any which way, shape, or form. The, the, the club was in a complete disarray, it was in the right mess. Um, but I, I was kind of probably the only time in my in my football career I was I was kind of not working for just a short time, and it was in that short time that um, I just left Doncaster Rovers after keeping them in the old uh, fourth division because you, you know that that was that was kind of uh, the forte from the chairman is that uh, myself and Curry Dixon, the former. England and uh, uh, Chelsea and England uh, yeah. footballer. Uh, we were told that you know we had to keep them in, the, you know, we to survive, you know, they to stay in the fourth division by at all costs. Thankfully, we did. It was uh, the the year. It was I think it was the first year that 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 uh, when you dropped into non league football, you know, you come out to the old fourth division and you went into into the yeah. conference national, um, but. Uh, thankfully, we, we we got out. We we, we got clear of relegation. It was the year that Hereford went down, um, but there was a lot of problems at Doncaster. So I was kind of had a, I had a successful furniture removal and storage business in the Rosendale Valley, and was commuting to Doncaster every day apart from Sunday and Thursday. 
every other day I was I was up in Doncaster. Um, now they were they were going through a financial uh, uh, you know major financial problems, and whilst there was you know there was a contract on the table for me to to remain at the club and stay the following season, I just felt with the with the with the situation that they're in, they were going into administration. It was a lot of uncertainty. So I kind of felt like, uh, you know, I, I owed it to my business and everything, you know, even though it, it kind of gut-wrenched me at the time. So at the end of the season, I decided to make a really tough decision and, and uh, decided to, um, you know, feel with, with the uncertainty to, to leave Doncaster. So... From from kind of the start of the, the the new season nineteen I can't remember the even the year now what would it be nineteen ninety seven or something like that um, uh, the football season started and it was a month in and I was at kind of like just out to work for that month and uh, and uh, and all at the time that Baker Borough had suffered a ten nil defeat I think a ten nil or ten one defeat. Uh, at the hands of Tetley Walker, uh, a football club in uh, in Warrington, um, so the lads, some of the lads who were who were playing at uh, Bake Up at the time, uh, said to the committee, uh, the chairman, and that, look, listen, listen, it, Brent Peters isn't working at the minute. Why do you not ask Brent Peters to to to, to come and manage us and sort us out? And uh, I remember the late, uh, this is what, what were told to me, the late uh, Frank Manning, who was a stalwart to bake up for a football club. He went, Brent Peters ain't going to come here. He said he's managed at, uh, you know, he's managed at Rosendale United. He's been at Bury, he's been at Doncaster Rovers. He's not going to come to bake up for And they went, listen, he's, listen, we know him. I mean, even my son-in-law now, uh, Linton James, not not Leighton James, not Linton. Linton. Linton James, uh, he he was playing for him at the time, and he said, "Listen, he's a football man. He, you know, just go and speak to him." And I remember being out one night in the in the in the local uh, public house, the Red Lion at Ayrclough Old in Rosendale, where a lot of the uh, footballers, you know, the Burnley football contingent, some of them used to, you know, frequent there. And I was out there one Saturday night and uh, lo and behold, uh, Mr Manning and uh, another director, Graham Schofield, walked into the into the pub and uh, the rest is history. You know, they spoke to me and I basically said, listen, uh, I'll come. Um, you know, I'll come and give it, I'll, but I'll, if, I'll, if anything happens, like, for instance, I'm ambitious, if there's, if there's opportunities come to go back into the football league or or a, a club higher up the uh, up, up the the pyramid then basically um you know that would you know that's where I'd be uh, I'd, 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 I'd be going you know as long as you understand that and they said yeah you're no problem you know you know but if you come and just like galvanize us now and get us back on track so I did and uh 26 almost 26 years later I'm still here just give us an insight, Brent, um, for people. You know, I mean, I think uh, sometimes, not not from my perspective, but some people there's a disconnect between professional football and non-league. So when you say you'll say you'll come, I guess there's no five-year contract on five grand a week in a company car. Just give us a bit of the reality of what it's like uh, 
in management in non-league football? Uh, it's tough because you, you you're dealing with you haven't got no money. You, you know, I talked about I talked about money being the tools. So basically, when I talk tools, I'm talking money, and there were no money. There is no money, and most of the clubs I've managed, you know, it's the way of the world. You know, to be able to uh, achieve, say, your goal, if you will, and go to a club where there is money, you've got to serve your apprenticeship down where there isn't money, and then you've got to prove your worth. Um, and it's very, very difficult because, you know, even now, even present day, believe it or believe it not, you're competing against teams that have got absolutely colossal uh, wage bills. You know, so if they've got a colossal wage bill, at the end of the day, they can attract the better players. You know, it goes without saying. If you haven't got a wage bill and you've got very little money, you're struggling to attract the better players. You, 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 you've got what you've got. You've got lads that, you know, just like a manager or just like your coaches that are starting off. You've got players that are starting off and that's what you're working with, really. And, uh, you know, you've just got to... You've got to try and galvanise them into a team, and uh, and, the, and they can, you know, kind of st structured so they're they're out to break down and you know out to get beat. You know, the yeah. one thing I say is, that, you know, the one thing that players have got to be committed with me are the ones that really work hard. You know, you can't get you can't get through success at clubs without the work rate. You've got to put the work rate in. Yeah, when you when you talk about that, it's really interesting because I, I watch Northwest Counties and I watch any non-league football, but um, it's very competitive. It's pretty fierce. Um, how do you get the balance then of running a a, a, a non-league operation with no money, but in a very professional way? Because you know, if there aren't standards in place, if there isn't some uh, level of expectation, you're going to fail almost on a a perennial basis, aren't you? So how do you, what's the kind of the ground rules that you set, Brent, at your club? Well, I I always look at it this way. I know I've always used this philosophy, you know, well, certainly since I've been at Baker, I've always used the philosophy is that uh, I try to manage and run this football club on the template of a football league club, but with no money. And it doesn't cost anything to be professional. You know, you can be professional. You don't cut. It don't cost anything. You know, it's all about, it's all about preparation. So, you know, let's get it right. If you if you prepare right, and and I'll give you an instance. Like th this wasn't with Baker Borough. This was with uh, uh, this was with Glossop. But when I was manager of Glossop, I'll give you an instance. We got to a cup final, and straight away when we got to this cup final. I went on to, uh, I got the lads booked into an hotel and we had pre-match uh, lunch and everything like the pros would do. And then uh, basically, then from that situation, we went down to uh, travel by coach, um, down to the where the cup final was being held. I made sure that all my team was all there in jacket, shirt and tie, as smart as anything. And when we got there, so we looked like, really professional we've come on we've had a pre-match lunch we've we've traveled the short distance on a coach um all together and we're, we're dressed right so we're preparing right when when we looked at the opposition that was turning up 
they were turning up as though it were any other game and they've got a bag of the football boots slung over the shoulder and turning up like reg ass rovers, basically. Um, and that's the difference that, you know, kind of that's the start. That's the starting point. You know, we've got to be professional and that transpires into the changing room. So then you've got to be organised and you've got to be have, have ground rules in the changing room where basically, you know, I mean, now where people have got mobile phones they're on them all the time, you know, straight away, you, I walk in the changing room, straight away, it's mobiles off, in your bag, put away. We don't, you know, you, you don't go near your mobiles. Now we've got to be focused on on the game in hand. So then you, you get into the mindset of the players, you know, you, you go through everything that you want from them. So at this point, they're, they're focused and they're prepared right. And then you go out, you know, when, when they cross that white line, it's it's like in any football match, it's, it's down to them at the end of the day. And, and, you know, if you pick the right, you know, even though they, they, they might have not had the pedigree of being, a, you know, playing at the highest level of football or a, in a football league club or a, 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 a times like that, even though they're not like that, they might be, if you've got a team of workers, I always remember going back to my days when I was at Blackburn Rovers on, on, on trial at Blackburn Rovers. I once remember Ken Furthey, who was the first team manager of Blackburn Rovers, he walked into the changing room and the first thing he said to us all sat there, and, it, and it's a fact this, he turned around and he said, listen, lads, he said, I want you to go out there today. I want you to enjoy yourself. He said, but the most important thing is I, I want 11 workers. I don't want 11 George Bess. And it's a fact to life that, you know, George Bess was an absolutely fantastic, brilliant player. He was a brilliant. But yeah. the thing was, he, 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 he you know, he, did, he turned it on and turned it off. Whereas, you know, yeah, he'd win football matches on his own, but them are few and far between. In mm. team ethics, you want you want the workers, yeah. the people who are going to work hard for you. I, I remember doing uh, trials matches down uh, for Burnley, Brenton. I'm sure you know Terry Pashley and Harry Wilson, um, and and I remember these guys getting quite quite cross with individuals who thought they were superstars and the prima donnas. And I remember one particular instance where they stopped the trials game and, and they, these couple of lads got an absolute lashing because they were trying to be the George Best and that was clearly not what the guys were seeking. So I think what you're saying is absolutely true, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, that and that's the way it's that, it, that it's been for myself. You know, you, you just instill this into into the players, you know, you it, it is what it is, you know, and you you just got if you've got workers and they're prepared to work hard for you, you know I've got a sign in our changing room as you come out and it says some you never fail until you stop trying. Yeah. And that's in our that's as you leave our changing rooms at Bakeup here, yeah. that's up on the that's up on uh, you, you, that's in full view. You never fail until you stop trying. Brent, how how difficult is it for you to recruit? Because uh you know, I've always wondered this about how non-league teams go about their recruitment because the I wonder how deep the pool is and I wonder how extensive the knowledge of the player that you're getting and, and kind of how much risk comes with signing a player. Can you just tell us a bit about that? Well, yeah. I, I mean, in my earlier days at Bake Up, there was, you know, people used to say to me, why do you not get more local lads in? And 
I had a lot of lads coming from all over, like Rochdale, Burnley, um, Great Round Greater Manchester, Trafford, you know, like Old Trafford and places like that. I had a lot of those. There weren't many local lads. There were some, but there weren't many. And the reason why there wasn't many is it wasn't me that wouldn't give the local lads a chance. I'd give them every chance. But I felt that the lads that were coming in, the, 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 the more local lads, the, the they weren't committed. They weren't. They just wanted to play with their mates, and they didn't want the uh, responsibility of being at a football club where there was a lot of discipline. You know, and when I'm when I'm talking discipline, I'm talking not discipline off the pitch in preparing for football matches. You know, uh, preparing for a game, playing at a tough level of football, which the Northwest Counties has always been a tough level of football. Um, and then you've got to train twice a week. You know, there's a lot of commitment goes with it. And I, and I used to find that some of the lads coming in that were local, they, they couldn't cut it. They, it. It weren't happening. They didn't want to, they do, it was too hard for them. You know, so, you know, they didn't really get the chance um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I, won't, I, don't, I don't suffer fools. You know, if, you, if you're not going to be committed, you're no good for me. Um, I'm committed in the job that I do. Um, you know, I mean, here at Bakeup, I cover every every job going at Bakeup. Um, so they've got to be committed. And it, it, it was thought, then you've got to rely on, on contacts around the game that know, you know, in my earlier days, you know, not, not just at Bakeup, at, at Rosendale United, um, you know, people like the late Walter Joyce helped me out with a few players, you know, like... Who, who were probably getting released from Bury at the time, and uh, you know they point them in my direction, and that's still the same today. You know I've got great contacts in the game, and you know um, they're brilliant because at the end of the day they know good players. And they, I mean, I remember one one lad got released. He, he was at Manchester United. A lad called Adrian Bellamy. He was at Manchester United. Uh, and then he, he, he was he, he represented England whilst he was at Manchester United. I think he was like a, an England schoolboy at, at 15. And then he went on to captain his country. And like you know, Alex, in football, you know, you can be up there today, but tomorrow you, you're down there, you know, because the injuries could kick in. And then what happens is, is while you're recovering from injuries, other players come on and they go above you. So you're back in the pecking order. Mm. And Adrian eventually, you know, they had the the big 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 future for Adrian Bellamy. Um, you know, they thought a lot about him, and he'd been at Manchester United quite a while. And then what happened? Where he 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 went out to Bradford. They, they, they sent him out on loan. Uh, I think where Bradford City went to went to Bradford City. And at the end of his contract, unfortunately, for one reason or another, which happens, sadly, it happens. He was getting released. He, you know, he, he was no longer going to be a Manchester United player, and like anything, his his world fell apart. He was, you know, it really affected him out. And one of the guys that, that was very close to him, a lad called David Esdale. Now, when I was um, assistant manager at Doncaster Rovers, David Esdale played under me at Doncaster Rovers, and David knew Adrian Bellamy, so. Whilst it was when he got released and he was down, um, 
one of the things that that that, that he said to Adrian, Dave Esdale said to him, he said, "Listen, I'm going to introduce you to Brent Peters at Baker Borough. You know, it's it's quite a way away from uh, Old, Old Trafford. You know where he lived. I mean, he lived in Old Trafford." Um, he said, but listen, I'm going to introduce him. He said, if anybody can get you back on track, Brent Peters will get you back on track. And Adrian came and played for me, and he was a he was a terrific player for me here. And we had we had success together here at Bakeup, and um, you know, and yeah, yeah he, he, he started. He, he soon got a smile back on his face and a spring in his step. But the moral of this story, what I'm trying to say, Alex, is that you know I got this player because of somebody who knew me and then obviously somebody were close to Adrian and that's happened you know that happens a lot yeah and have you brought have you brought many new players in this season Brent yeah we've brought uh, it, it, it's the same every season it's like in non-league it's like a revolving door it can be a revolving door uh, I mean I've got some players that are on contract because I feel that you know in this day and age you, you know you've got to uh, if you if you if you're if you're trying to um, progress these players, you know, and in part of the development, it's important that uh, that they're, they're on contract, and we, because what can happen is very very quickly, if they if you see a talented lad, if there's a talented lad on the pitch, very very quickly, a club will put what they call a seven day notice in and of approach to approach him, and then. You know, for a few quid more, they will go to they'll jump ship and go to that club. But then my point is the development stops because the the club that's taking him wants him immediately. The finished article when he's not the finished article, I'm putting him straight in the team. And when sometimes and it happens a lot, this is that they can't handle the the level above because they're not ready for the level above yet. And sooner or later. They, they then come back with with the tail between the legs and say, can I come back? It hasn't worked out for me. Yeah. And they haven't been the same player when they've come back. Whereas I feel that sometimes players should be comfortable in, in the settings, you know, not think about the progression, think about the development and everything else as they are developing will, will take its course. So eventually, you know, they will be ready. And they will be able to sustain playing at a higher level of football. Yeah, and just to explain the reality of a of a contract at non-league Brent. I mean, we're not talking a five-year deal uh, with a release clause of hundred thousand pounds, are we? We're, we're talking. I mean, I'm guessing here you're probably a, a match day fee of fifty hundred quid, something like that. Yeah. Well, well, this again is my experience. I mean, a lot of a lot of managers out there will, when they're when they're writing contracts up, they'll write contracts and 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 just write them up with with telephone numbers, if you will. I mean, when I talk about telephone numbers, I'm talking telephone numbers for non-league clubs. You know, even hundred pound for a club like Bakeup for a or you know clubs at our level is a, is a lot of money. You know, if you you only need ten people on ten players on hundred pound, you're up to a thousand pounds you know on your wage bill. So so what I'm saying is is a lot a lot of managers will go out there and they will put them on on these wages. And then when I'll give you a prime example, when COVID kicked in, they wondered why they were nearly putting the club at risk because they still were obliged to play pay them that, that them wages. 
you know, irrespective. Now, I don't do that. They go in on a small basis. So if there were COVID situation again, it wouldn't kill the club. It wouldn't hurt the club. We'd be able to manage it. So they're on a small basis, but everything, all the top-ups are all achieved by what, what, what they achieve when they go out onto the... Uh, out onto the football pitch. So you introduce things like after so many games, the the the, the money will, will will rise again. I, I, you know, appearance money. So you'll give them so much, uh, you know, when they appear uh, in the starting eleven, and then you'll give them something for you know how the team's performing, like extra on like if the team win a game of football, you know, they'll get bonus on that situation. So everything's geared to. Apart from the basic, everything's geared to what that individual stroke the team are doing. And that will, so when they come out at the end of it, if, if you're achieving and, and doing really well, you'll get well looked after. You'll be on good, decent, really good money. But if you're not, then then you won't be on good money. You know, it's it, that's, a, it's, that's the reality of it. Yeah. The other night, Brent, I was down at Paddy and watching Barry play. I was keen to see Barry, and uh, they brought a good following. Um, they, at times, not always, I think Paddy did did a good job, but at times the golfing quality looked quite quite vast. What's the what's your assessment of the standard of of your league at this time, Brent? Do you think it's better than it was, or do you think it's the best it's ever been? I think it, I think the Northwest Counties should never be underestimated. This is a really tough league, is the Northwest Counties. It's, I, I don't get this. You know, the agents in the game, let me tell you, there's agents in, and I, I have this thing, you know, I'm old school. I don't agree with the agents in, 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 a, in a lot of ways. But the agents in the game, what they do, they see a player, they've got a player on the books, and straight away, they don't, they don't really want to talk to clubs at our level because the money's not there for the agent and the player to make the money. So what they'll do, they pitch them like at a t at a club like that might be three leagues above, where where there's half decent money uh, available. But what happens is is half decent money, but they can't they can't sustain it at that level. They're not ready. So to me, that that ruins the player. That stops the player's progression. Whereas I think what they should be doing if they wanted the player and they're looking after the player, this is the grooming ground. Northwest Counties, let me tell you, is absolutely it's 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 physical, you know, it's competitive. When I say physical, I don't mean it's good. I mean, if there a game on here, we had a nil-nil draw against Ashton Athletic last night. It could have gone either way, and it were it was really blood and thrust. It was cutthroat, honestly, really competitive. It could have gone I. And it ended up where, you know, a couple of players got sent off. And, you know, if you ever want an exciting nil-nil draw, last night's game was one of them, you know. But that typifies the North West Counties League. Yeah. It, it, it's a really, you know, there's quality, there's ability, but there's aggression. And I, I look at it this way. You've got to be, you know, if, if all this, like in the Premier League, I call it mutual football. You watch it and it's like uh, we'll get in a block. You know, you've got the ball, try and break us down, right? And then they give the ball away. So they drop off, they get in a block. You've got the ball now, try and break us down. It's like it's like that, whereas in the North, it's not. It's really, really 
physical competitive. Probably you saw that the other night when you went down and watched Paddy. Very much, you know, yeah. Yeah, very it, much so. It, extremely positive, uh, you know, physical and demanding. And that's why I say it's a great breed. Do not underestimate the Northwest Counties League because it is a tough league. And it's no surprise if you look back through the history and the archives of the teams that's really struggled to get out of the Northwest Counties League to go up into the, the next level, up into the Evo Stick League, right? You'll find that they've usually, in a lot of cases, gone up and gone up again because they've kept the nucleus of the Northwest Counties League side. And then when they've gone into the Evo Stick, which is not as physical, not as demanding in that in that respect, and when they've gone up and they end up going up again because it's, I kind of think it's it's not as it's not as hard in, in the Eagle Stick as it is in the Northwest Counties. Yeah, I mean, I I love non-league. I, I loved I love refing in it. I loved I love being part of it. It's a bit of a it's a community really, and and the banter is is in, is just. On another level, I mean, I took some real pelters as a ref, but I never, I never took it personally. But Brent, what's the what's the ambition for Baker Borough as we come to the end of this chat? Is it is it is it right and correct that a club like Baker is ambition is is ambitious and has goals to achieve? Any club I manage, you're ambitious. I won't be at the club if we weren't ambitious. But we've got to be feet on the ground. You can't. One thing I always said. Uh, even though when I started off in my football career, you know, would Baker have been a team, a club many years ago that had joined? Possibly not, because th there are clubs out there that, that that probably don't have have the the infrastructure to, to 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 show that ambition, to give you that ambition. The fact of the matter is, here, you know, with Baker, with me at kind of at the helm and, and, and guiding it to, uh, uh, along the way, you know, I would never let, allow my CV to to run the risk because of personal gain, run the risk of a club's history going going out of existence because you, you, you're kind of overspending, if you will, uh, which happens. You know, I would not put this club at risk rather just for personal gain in my CV for being successful. You know, so the main thing is, yes, we're successful. Yes, we want to go up as high up as we can really achieve in the national league system. But to do that, you need the tools and the tools is finance. And if you haven't got the finance, then, you, you know, Somebody said to me, BBC, I think it were, that did an interview with me on my 25 years. And um, one of the things they said, they said, what's your greatest achievement? Now, if you look round, you know, I've had success at every football club I've managed. You know, I've put silverware in the cabinet. Um, but what my answer were to what, what, what is your greatest success? And I turned around and said, waking up every morning and knowing that Baker Borough his history of breakup for a football club is still there. It's still alive. It's still kicking. When you think about other clubs that have been challenging this club over the years, like Rosendale United, who are no longer here, that means more to me, and that's more of an achievement than putting any silverware in any trophy cabinet. Because yeah. this club should be here long after I've gone. And I suppose that's that's probably a good way to bring the interview to an end, Brent, is because. You know, I remember Rosendale folding, and I know that that was heartbreaking. You know, not for th hundreds of thousands of people's, but for the community it was attached to. 
that was a devastating blow. And and you've been in the game long enough and you're not getting any younger. So if you've got a succession plan at Bay Cup, do you know what will happen when you uh, close the door for the final time? 100%, 100%. I, I know exactly what's uh, what, what, what what's happening. It's all there, tied up, uh, wills and everything with the solicitors and... Uh, yeah, the backup Borough will, 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 there is no issues with backup Borough. Backup Borough will go uh, and continue to uh, achieve things in 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 good, capable hands uh, along the way. The future is, uh, it, that's what it's all about. It's, you know, long after I, I've gone, it, it's important that, uh, you know, this club and the history of this great club continues. And, you know, because you think about, you know, it's brought so many, you know, there's been a lot of people in the community, people, some have, have passed, have gone, and uh, it's only a, a couple of weeks ago we lost our president, Edwin Crook, you know, and uh, so it's important that we, we go on in the next generation and the generation after. And for that means, you know, people have always said, oh, if anything happened to Brent, what had happened to the club, believe you me, the club will be left in good hands. Brent, I've um, I've interviewed some of the the great names in football, some international top professionals, but I put you in that category. It's been a real uh, privilege meeting you and talking to you because I value what you do so much. Um, and without guys like you, and I know there's lots of guys like you knocking around the non-league, um, the, the 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 future of, of football in this country would be in in uh, dire straits. So. I genuinely mean it, Brent. Thank, thanks for what you do in, in local football. It, it's a passion that is uh, admired by so many people. And, and just thank you for so much for coming and having a chat with me on the Godcast. Thank you. Thanks, Alex, for inviting me. Thank you.